Crush your menopause sugar cravings just in time for summer with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. They're delicious keto and intermittent fasting-friendly bars created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the challenging stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code HOTCOOL10. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. And I'm Colleen. And today, Colleen and I are fangirling quite a bit because we have the opportunity to speak with someone who's just kind of like part of our, you know, younger days, going up teenage to college age, and that is Taylor Dane. Taylor Dane, you know, you know her from probably seven top 10 singles, especially tell it to my heart. I can just prove your love. Love Yeah, I'm just booking (laughs) <laughs> with my leather mini skirt on and my hair just way teased above my head. And I am boogieing down to that back in college. And it was so much fun. And it was a great time talking to her. Taylor is still busy as can be. She's doing Ladies of the 80s tour with some of the other women that we boogie down to and talked to and had a great old time with. She is now, you know, the mother of twins that are in their 20s and still busy as ever. Just amazing voice. She has a book out that's also titled Tell It to My Heart, which is extremely interesting. I recommend reading that. And just the way that she got started. Uh, you forgot popcorn. So you forgot oh, popcorn. Pop- Corn, yes. And she was popcorn on The Masked Singer, which is so incredible. Just hearing her, you'll hear about that in the interview too, what that was like to be in this humongous costume. So I think that's amazing. Um, Such an incredible voice and just the way she got started and how that all worked out. Yeah, she's a great storyteller. If you ever get a chance, go on her TED Talk. And yes, check it out on YouTube. She really is a wonderful storyteller. And just like having a piece of our teenage years, like this little kind of part of our scrapbook of life. Yes. And yeah. Gosh, and just learning about how she wrote this music, how she came into becoming popular. Um, 1987 was Tell It to My Heart. So gosh, that was right after high school for me. I was in college. Wow, I'm aging myself. Okay, Bridget. Um, (laughs) But we are just, we are loving talking to these women who are a part of our generation that are doing amazing things, are going, are staying busy, and they're changing the narrative for women in midlife and beyond. And we're going to be talking about this topic much more at our event that's coming up October 19th in New York City. It's called The Marvelous Mrs. Menopause. We have lots of great guests coming to talk We have doctors who are experts in the field of menopause to talk about what misinformation is out there and to share what you need to know that is accurate and important. And then we have a really fun panel of women who are going to be talking about what our pop culture was like back in in the 80s and 90s and how we need to change how the world sees menopause and midlife because we've got 30, 40, 50 years left 
and it's time to catch up. That narrative needs to catch up. We are going to be hosting this event with Care Beauty. It will take place October 19th in New York City at the One World Trade Center. It's going to be a blast. Tickets are limited. So check it out on Eventbrite or on our website, hotflashescooltopics.com. You'll be able to get in-person or Zoom tickets. So if you don't live in the New York City area, but you want to check out the fun, make sure to um, get one of the Zoom tickets. And those are also on the Eventbrite link. So if you have any questions, just email us at huffflashescooltopics at gmail.com. And oh my gosh, Bridget, we are, I I don't think in my lifetime I ever thought we would be saying, and now we're going to be talking to Taylor Dane. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics today. Bridget and I are so excited. We have singer, songwriter, actress, Taylor Dane, catching up with her. She is having the best midlife and beyond, and we are thrilled to talk to you today. So welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you so much. Well, you know, we kind of like to start when we're catching up, talking about what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. And you have been traveling a whole bunch. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about where you, what you're doing and where you've been? Well, I know it sounds so odd to say you've been traveling. Um, yeah, we're back out on the road. You know, I'm a touring artist, obviously, as well. And it's just so wonderful to reconnect with, you know, after a, a long hiatus, you know, imposed on us. Fans are having the best time. The audiences are amazing. And uh, I'm out on tour. So it's just uh, take a look at my, you know, calendars and my tour dates and you'll see. And you'd be shocked. I'm probably in a city near you. There's a lot of dates that we're trying to replay and cover from groundwork that were COVID-related cancellations. And then, you know, certainly it's just uh, the overwhelming response to uh, live music right now is just fantastic. So Right. And a lot of our listeners, it's right up our alley. The ladies it's of the a- 80s, right there. It takes us right back to where we had fun Day, not that we don't have fun now, we do. You you remember when we used to have fun? <laughs> you know, those dancing days and just just the fun times of it. So it's so exciting. And on top of this, you're touring. You also have twins, you know, so oh. a lot of women are in the same boat as you. How's the mothering from the road and how is that going? Um, you know, my, my kids are 21 in a month. You know, this okay. is not... This is a different kind of mothering now. This is empty nesting, mothering from afar, and just trying to get them on the phone half the time is the challenge. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, if you do not pick up, I, you know, what are you threatening them with? I'll, I'll I know. Stop. I'll stop. I mean, it's not much. It, it, you, yes. <laughs> it's true. I try, to, I try to go to their moral fiber. You know, I'm like, is this like, what's it going to take for you to be a responsible, living, breathing human being kind of thing? <laughs> So that's what I'm yeah. dealing with, you know, Bill's trying to educate them and, and honestly uh, stop repeating myself. <laughs> Good luck so with hard. that. As you're, I know you're working on new, some new stuff and we can't wait to talk about that. But, you know, I was curious when, obviously, I loved all of your songs and you are a huge part of my teenage years. But sing those songs now how does it feel because you're at a different stage of life when you wrote them versus now how different is that oh well it changes all the time I mean between my 20s where I'm first breaking you know at 21 years old where I'm basically going from the club home at five (laughs) in the morning you know you you write these songs and you're starting in this musical my my career as you know although it wasn't overnight stardom to me on any level but you know 
at 22, like, I guess it is, you know, on some level, but no, I mean, I was a girl, grew up in New York, um, grew up in Long Island, as well as New York City. And I was exposed to just so much cultural, a, a plethora of cultural inundation between theater as well as obviously um, music, TV, concerts, you know, uh, how does it differ? I sang songs that became hit records almost 34 years ago. Not all of them, but let's start from the beginning of my career, which was Tell It To My Heart. That's 1988. We so, remember yeah, it well. Different. We remember it, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know. Like, what were you thinking in 1988? So I'm just yeah. saying to you, what changes now is that there's a joy de vivre, correct? So my intentions are so much different than what my intentions were at that time, how my mental state, emotional state, physical state was, you know? I'm far more pragmatic now. I'm far more settled in my bones, obviously. Um, I certainly have many years and, and many hits to um, uh, to say, wow, experience, experience. So there's that. But when you have a live audience, people ask you, what's that like? And I said, it changes every night, That's every it. night. It's a new audience. Even when I did Broadway, I had to really reflect on that because Broadway is like you're saying the same lines, the same way, similar to a song. But when you're working live with your band, you can have much more. It's not more impromptu. It's more improvisational. But at the same time, words are words. Right. And um, but your audience changes. So therefore, the energy changes. Therefore, there's a different reciprocity going on. I've had the great fortune of recording classic records. Like, I mean, tell it to my heart, prove your love. I'll always love you. Love will lead you back. Um, we see a theme there of a love, theme of love. And heart. <laughs> ah, you know what? Ted, my TED talk beat you to it. I, yeah. I, 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 I was writing I, it. I was like, what's up here? Heart, love, <laughs> every one yeah. of my songs. And yet have still not been married, you know. Like, what's, what's the issue? <laughs> you know, um, I read your book. Tell it to my heart, and I I really enjoyed your book and just the fascinating stories in there. And I don't think that people that aren't in your industry or in the entertainment industry they don't realize how hard artists work. So when I was reading your book and looking at how hard you well, just how you were saying working at five in the morning, can you share a little bit about the the story for the Russian area, the Russian oh. place that you well, worked? I worked in a club in Brighton Beach. I, as I said, I grew up in New York, and uh, there was this time between right where I broke with Tell It to My Heart, and I was working with Rick Wake, and we were, and I was in trying to make a very specific single that I knew would cross over into the mix, into the clubs and that would potentially get radio play because I wasn't signed from a label. I wasn't discovered artist. It wasn't like, Oh, they found me. And like Whitney Houston, it wasn't like that. Um, You know, we knew that we need to build it and they will come. And that's my partner was Rick Wake. And that's what we did. We were recording our own music. We were funding it. And what we called a 12 inch then was considered called, hip hop it was the beats per minute it's fascinating but if you grew up in queens bronx you understand you know 123 to 132 is a fast record you know so it's like we call that hip hop and then you know you're talking about 1987 1988 and hip hop sure as hell didn't mean the same thing now 
So it's interesting. History of, of how something happens for one person versus another is it's fascinating business, but I digress. What do you want to know? What was that journey like being so young and just having hit after hit after hit? Was it a whirlwind? Did you even yeah. realize it was happening? I mean, you're going from, um, well, one week I'm on a barge in Boston playing a radio show and the next week they're like, you're going to open up for Michael Jackson on the bad tour in Europe because my record was blowing up in Europe before it was even blowing up here in the States. So they released it six months prior. So there's also that Grammy window where if you're not released before like October, late, uh, late September, early October, you miss a year of Grammy. So by the time I was nominated for my grant for Grammys, just even for tell it for, I'll always just my first record. It was already 1988, 89. I was like, this has been out already two years, you know, but you missed that window because it was only a single I had out. So that was an incredible period to have one song and then exploded throughout all of Europe. And then America's like, well, we need to release this. And I'm like, I'll bet you do, but you're just selling singles, not an album. And I had been in the studio with Rick. We did Don't Rush Me. I was a demo singer as well. You know, I mean, I was just working. And so we put that record together very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing that can prepare you for that. But when you go back to the work, there's nothing that can prepare you because when we broke, when I broke, which was the late 80s, there was no cell phone. There was no internet. There was no computers. There was no sharing of files. You sat at a phone booth and basically had a calling card and you called radio or you showed up. So just add that on top of you do shows, not at two in the afternoon. You do shows at 8 p.m. at night. So between doing radio shows, the the, the press, the, you're just one human being. And then, of course, as a female artist, you got to look good. Mm -hmm. So. You're trying to keep up and you're trying, you know, it's just a very, and I never complain about it, but nothing can prepare you for that kind of stardom. It's like any, look at an athlete that suddenly connects, but you can measure a hit on a ball because it either goes out the park into the home run or it's not. You can measure a song hit only by as many calls as come in or if it starts selling and how many units it sells, but you can't measure fame. You know, sometimes people would ask me, did you feel that? Did you get it? And I'd be like, no. But maybe a week or two later or a month later when I was sitting in my tour bus and I am have a moment to myself. You know, stillness is always where you're going to grab your best opportunities for reflection. Um, and I'd be like, wow, did that happen? Was that Prince or was that like, did I just meet Robert Plant in an elevator? Like, <laughs> what? what? They're not normal stories because they're just not it's the pace at which things happen. And I think we're so much more accustomed to things happening to the average Joe. Now, now we're like, everybody is their 15 minutes of starting, but you know, you, again, we're talking about the ladies. There was no cell phones. There was no, you know, we didn't exchange files and, you know, I waited once a month and magazine came out once a month, right? Maybe we had our star magazines and we had our, but there wasn't paparazzi. That didn't even mm -hmm. exist here. I found out about paparazzi when I got famous in Europe. And that was 1988, 87, 88, 89. They followed me. They hunted me down on motorcycles and everything. Didn't even exist here. I was with Michael on that tour. And I'll never forget because we were all staying at the Mayfair Hotel in, in London. And 
it was that, you know, a, a later tour is when he did, you know, he had his children, but this was the bad tour, honey. This is the height of the height of the height. And if I'm telling you this, thousands of people outside of a hotel waiting to catch a glimpse of somebody, I couldn't even get out of the car, security, security, but like we were trampled. You've also written songs for some amazing artists. What has that, like, do you write a song and say, this would be perfect for this person? Or no. Or just organically happen? No, it was a song written for me. If I write a song, it's written for me. If we're talking about like whatever you want that Tina recorded, like that was for me. And then, you know, my record company just didn't think it was a hit. And I go, well, mm. or they didn't think it was worthy of my record or whatever they felt. And I'm sure I was very disappointed at the time. Don't on any level think I wasn't because I probably felt very strongly about it. And then thank God it got into the hands of Tina and Trevor Horn and they made it a smash. It was a big record for her. But like, no, it doesn't start out that way. <laughs> Not for me as an artist. Anyway. How has it changed for female artists now? Obviously with streaming and all that, it's changed. But was it harder back then because you were a female to break into the industry than it is now? I don't know. I've never really kind of determined my sex as what it pro pro prohibited or didn't prohibit, you know, I, um, I've only been born in my body and who I am. I was raised in New York. I had a different start of tenacity and a street smarts and, and just knowing to, I came from it from a different direction. I also was halfway there because I grew up there. Um, and I saw what it took, but I had my own struggles. I had my own anxieties growing up as a young woman and, those are the things that I can say to you as a woman, you know, my own insecurities, my own anxieties, you know, these are things that every young girl goes through, every young woman, you know, identifying with what is beauty, what is image, and how much do I need to use that to influence a record or putting something out there? And it turns out a whole hell of a lot. Do you feel a little less pressure now when you're writing songs for your new album to have to meet all those, you know, I have to look a certain way, be a certain way. You know, I mean, that ship way. is sailed, but I, of course I, it's not pressure as much as, you know, now I I'm professional, like professionally speaking, when you first beginning, I'll never forget the first photo shoot I ever did. I mean, if you look at those iconic photos, I'll like tell it to my heart. It's like, yeah, I went in a room with a couple of drag queens. And then I came out looking like, you know, I had a tool skirt on my head, but the fascination is that the art was created because we were also willing to take risks in your soul within my heart of heart. I also knew that this is where I've chosen and wanted to be my entire life. And that was my all 20 years prior to that. So it's, as I'm saying, it seems like it's overnight, but it's not. And you wish for these and you pray for these moments. And then, when they present themselves, but I, I'm sorry, you can't look at an album cover and go, oh, I knew that was going to be a classic. Or when you're doing it in those moments, there's just, you know, I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones. Can you share the story of when you were in kindergarten um, and how you were kind of chosen to be the lead in a school production? Well, I think what, what, what the teacher saw, you know, the little, they come in and do their music classes. I was just an intensely when the music teacher came in the room and, you know, we all sat around in you know, kindergarten, you're talking four and five year olds. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
All I wanted to do was be as close to that piano as possible and listen to every word she was singing and every lyric or whatever you want to call it and the music. And it just moved me to such a state. It, it altered my, it altered my reality. And um, that was because I had a, my reality to me was very difficult or it was very um, challenging. My home life, my, and you read my book. So mm-hmm. I adore my parents. I adore my brothers. And, but there's a lot of violence in there. There was a lot of unspoken anger. And, and more than that, it was, it wasn't spoken. It was raged around, you know, and there was a lot of stuff going on. You know, I'm also child of Holocaust surviving parents. You know, it just goes on and on and on and on. So these are deep wounds and deep mental and emotional states of beingness, never mind a Jew in New York. So it was just is what it is, you know, and it all comes through the music. And it all came through me sitting there as a five-year-old watching that teacher and just, oh my God, I felt air. I felt breath. I felt an escape hatch. That's what music gave me a, a tool. And I said, I think I can be good at this. And if you're good at it and people look at you and they go, is that your, she sang that? And, you know, you just keep surprising people. And it's just kind of like I got the basketball. Like, I'll keep hitting it and I'll keep shooting it. And if I'm getting good, I'm going for great. Because great's the way out. <laughs> that kind of leads me to your TED Talk, which you mentioned before, which is incredibly powerful. It's Born to Sing. And I just, I was mesmerized watching you speak on your TED Talk. Where You were very vulnerable in it, and it kind of led to, or it was a precursor to the book. How hard was that for you to kind of get on stage and share such personal stories? Well, doing a TED Talk in general is very daunting. There's, an, a, there's the preparation for that is nothing, you know, it was a six-month preparational time you know your your thematic they they theme it this was also ted women it was their big summit in uh in uh, silicon valley and uh it was myself with elizabeth lesser and uh, like you know ashley uh judd and it, you know these were the, the gal that started the me too movement it just went on and on and on and on black lives matter this was a very important to be part of that voice of women was one thing and then realizing that it's not so much, you know, the 500 women's or pe- women people sitting in the room. It's the 13 million that this now, you know, the platform of what TED Talk really is. And uh, the rewrites. And like I said, it was a six month uh, preparation. My my incredible book, my my book mama, I call her. She wasn't quite my ghostwriter, but it's who I went to. And Linda Syverston, and you can look her up. She's uh one of the greatest teachers I've had and mentors in learning how to write, publish and release, you know, your own writings. But uh, she encouraged me by telling me these, tell an impatient Jewish girl this, this is going to take three years easily. So don't get, you know, maybe you should think about doing it. You know, you have a great presence. Maybe we should think about Ted talk for us. And I was like, whoosh, like what? (laughs) How does a book look like a TED talk first? But she was so right because we just the rewrites on that alone and how long the process took. And honest to God, like I'm looking at I'm in my office now here, but every wall when you're writing a book had post-its and chapter titles. And it just kept kept the rewrite, rewrite, you know, and, you, you know, it's a long, daunting 
And it's a reflective process. And I'd get lost five, six hours writing away in, in stretches, very common. So the TED Talk, what you saw was vulnerable, but it also led to more of what I, it was. It was, I didn't want to be a musician up there. I wanted to do a spoken word piece. I didn't, I wanted to um, speak, you know, tell my story uh, or the story that in the theme, the theme was about time. It's about time. So again, every TED talk has a theme and you stay within the parameters of what that is. And then you bring your, you know, stories, I guess, if you will, and you adjust to what now the thematic of the, the weekend is going to be. And uh, that was, you know, where we went with it, you know, from what you see visually, if you choose to, to the entire, I think my pre presentation ended up being about, which was long, 14 minutes. And I did write Born to Sing, and that ended up being the closing song. And if you notice, it was more of a, a performance art piece. I did musical things that these were songs that literally launched my little heart and took me places and that were part of the fabric and, you know, weaving of my life story. Which Not then becomes the, the kind of the weaving of a lot of our stories because your songs yes. hit. That's music. Yes. yes. But if you notice the Ted talk, I did not use my material. No, I used, this was Karen mm -hmm. Carpenter to a Nazareth song, songs that I heard in the seventies or, or it, it, that I grew up on and music that, made told my story because I could any song like if you just put up close to you I'll immediately be at a pool at five years old holding on the side of that's 1972 to me you write the book the pandemic comes by and it gets really quiet how was the pandemic for you you know it was a, a blessing um on some levels a lot you know um it was very difficult for my twins um here I was launching them into their they were they were in their senior year and we were getting ready for college. Like there was nothing that could prepare us for this. Very difficult. All of a sudden, everything, you know, I had a, an apartment. I was empty nesting and moving in that direction. And and I travel all the time anyway. So this was like a real like I was going to spend more time in Florida and just on and on. There were blessings and curses with it. Certainly, you know, the obvious is the world shut down. Um, mentally I didn't, I was not that type of artist. I wasn't, uh, I'm not a very fearful person when it came to that. Um, and I also had some incredible opportunities during there. I went to, back to work with Mass Singer. I went back to work. Like there were just so many other opportunities that came to fruition because I was land-based. <laughs> you brought up Mass Singer. Uh, that was yeah. great. That was really well received. And how was that like working on that as the popcorn? It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. phenomenal for many reasons. One, we were masks and masks and masks. <laughs> Two, the uh, everybody that was now that I knew that was on the road was no longer on the road. We had the best choreographers. We had the best set designers. I mean, and this production is top of the top of the line. But we were all together in this little insular family. And going and competing, which is, you know, at the heart of my hearts, you know, I'm a little competitor. And yet at the same time, it was it was really creative. Like I had to figure out how to 
be myself, but not be myself. And yet it also challenged myself. And that's when you find the most exciting things, you know, so there you have it under the costume of Miss PowerPoint. Was it hot in that costume? I think Buster Rhymes said it best because I didn't know when I was going to get another breath. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they had it timed. We we were only allowed to be 15 minutes. It's the mask potential. Mostly that was really daunting for me because I could only see out of a portion of one eye. As you know, they, this is every, every mask is different. These are all custom and designed and, and fitted as we, as we continue. But, um, and through my mouth and people are like, Oh, you're mic'd inside, and then that's probably I go. I no bitches. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you I, are mic'd you inside, can... but when Nick's talking to you and you're at answering questions, but uh, no, that's not where I. That's not where the vocals. No, I, I don't know how you could move in that. I don't <laughs> know how I could do it either because sometimes <laughs> I remember being in my head going, "All right, I think I'm going to fall." I, I sometimes I literally like was. You know, the hat, I think my 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 mask alone was probably two and a half foot. When you think about her popcorn head, I walked right off the stage once. They're like, stop walking. Popcorn. <laughs> they only called you popcorn. They only called you your name. Nobody was ever identified on any. Nobody knew who you were, what you were, anything ever, except maybe a couple of producers. They kept the anonymity, the anonymity to such a degree. It was cray. You had to put your mask on before you even got to set. It was crazy. <laughs> That's cool. They made the whole thing so fun. Oh, good. What about RuPaul? How was that? Well, Ru's just fabric of my life. You know, the dearest, supportive person I've known for almost 30 years, you know. But drag race, that is not for the weary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, you saw a mass Singer. Now, Mass Singer is challenging for me in the sense that, you know, this was your voice, you're doing, you're, you know, you're doing, this was a four hour jaunt every day getting into hair, makeup, drag race. And they were not planned. It was to create this lecture owl, you know? Wow. <laughs> and, you know, some of those, you know, for the men, it's it's even more incredible because you know they're putting on fake press that i mean i can't even tell you hips butts boobs you name it lips <laughs> i mean how much did i really want to car- be a character of myself you know you want to look either beautiful or you want to be hysterical it's just at some point i was like whatever but you didn't leave that chair under three and a half hours a day wow goodness i can't imagine oh, it's, having all that it's, to take off too it, it it because it's 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 kabuki. You're like you're really going into a stage theatrical, but but more than that, I've done Broadway. I've done this was just, it's just an intense. The wigs are very, and each each song is changed. You know, it's intense, intense. And I think that's interesting to let people know what these people put into the the work. You know, I think that's important for people to know how much time Again, it's mm-hmm. the work. The, the, what you're seeing is the passion of the performer and their own personal spin. Of course, look, that's with anything. That's again, you can throw a ball over a bit, you know, yes, it, it'll strike, but it, it, then it takes the personality and the, the character. And then of course, you know, why do you fall in love with that ball player? Why do you fall in love with that singer? Why are you in love with that drag queen versus another, you know, because it's, it, it resonates for you differently. 
people, that's the energy. That's the energy take. So you're now going on tour or you've been going, been on tour, which yes, is crazy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I just got back. We were in the West. We were in Seattle, Tacoma, Spokane. <laughs> do you, do you find it like, can you do night after night still? Or now do you need like I a mean, night? I do what I need to do, but I do like doing it more as a week, not weekend warrior, but like, you know, I mean, I, there's this step I, I like, I, I, I like my, you know, to be comfortable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You've earned that. You've no, more than earned that. There's nothing easy about traveling and grinding. There's just, it's, it is what it is. You know, travel, grinding, moving. It is what it is, but there's nothing like being on stage. And when you, that connection is, is what it's all about. Do you have fun traveling with the other ladies of the eighties? The other ladies of the eighties? Well, some of them I know very well. Tiffany, um, depends on who, you know, when it, it changes all the time, but there's always, it's always fun to gather up with some other, the women that, you know, I've known for so many years, whether it's Sheena Easton or Belinda Carlisle, or like, you name it. It's like, Debbie Gibson or Paula Abdul, like you're like, hi, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What's next? Uh, Well, during COVID, I actually did record a new record with nine time Grammy recipient, Greg Field. So this is a really important record. And now we are, we have finished uh, mixing, uh, mastering, and now we are figuring out the home for it. And this is my kind of uh, private dancer moment, if you will. And uh, really, we we honed in on the material, the song. And Greg is just such a vocalist producer. And if you had to give some advice or if you had some advice for women who are listening that are in midlife and beyond that may feel like they're a little stuck and want to keep moving, what, what words of wisdom would you give them? It's one step at a time. And that one step is usually the most difficult. So when you're having a bad day, take one breath, deep breath, release it. I've had a, you know, many therapists over the years or life coaches and breathe in love, breathe out fear, breathe in life, breathe out doubt. And that's, you know, if you start with a very small chunk, it's things that seem insurmountable. You can you know, small and steady, that's the tortoise and it works. And that's where I've come because there's been moments now that I've been challenged by my body, by mentally, by finance, whatever, you know, we've all been challenged and everybody has their own story for sure. But that would be my advice. My advice is um, one step at a time, one moment at a time and be very realistic. Goals need to be seen. I have an incredible image board. I, I work with vision boards all the time and I update mine or I've had a great one and I do my cutouts and it's my little collage and it's beautiful to have your own little altar for you that you can always it's your daily affirmation just waking up and looking at it it gets you motivated that's such great advice for women thank you for sharing that thank you and and not only thank you for coming on but thank you for writing songs that just hit both Bridget, my heart and our listeners' hearts and bring up such wonderful memories from the 80s and 90s. We really, truly appreciate your talent and the time you took to speak with us today. Thank you so much, ladies. Well, we all know you're going to look out for your Walkmans and find 
your your favorite songs of, of Taylor Dane, whether it be I'll Always Love You or With Every Beat of My Heart. Did you know, I know it was interesting when we talked to her because every song has either love or heart in it. And I, yeah. you know, it's kind of common sense. And I never even thought about it. And I was like, oh, no, I never yeah. did. Because they were so, um, you know, some of them are very, you know, kind of like a love song type of, you know, a romantic song. But a lot of yeah. them I always associate with dancing. And right. yes, so <laughs> I, you know, I watched her TED talk and I'm like, oh, she is so right. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about how that all yeah. and goes together. And her voice is just so beautiful. Thank you so much, Taylor Dane, for coming on the show. We love seeing how busy you are and how you're living your best life. And you are welcome anytime to come back and talk more about this time of life because we certainly are enjoying it as well. Guys, make sure you're following us on all forms of social media, our Instagram. We have a private Facebook group where we have lots of questions by our group and answers from each other. It's, you know, it's that community question where it's like having coffee with your girlfriends. Well, what do you yes. do for this? And all of a sudden you get 20 answers and you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. So right. if you haven't joined our Facebook group, just type in Hot Flashes Cool Topics and it's a private group and we'll sign you right in. It'll be fun. And again, TikTok, all those other things, check out on our website, the Eventbrite link for Mrs. Menopause, Marvelous Mrs. Menopause. And have a great week, guys. We will talk to you next time. Bye.